When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Sitting on my terrace, lost in the stars, listening to the sound of the sad guitars. Been thinking it over, and I thought it all through. I've made up my mind to give myself to you. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly. And joining me to talk about I've made my mind to give myself to you from, of course, 2020's Rough and Rowdy Ways is returning Bobcat Amy Maud Helfer. Hi, Amy. Welcome back. Oh, thank you so much. This is awesome. It's been a while since we've recorded together, but you've been quite busy. I have, actually. Thank you. So first of all, I want to thank you so much again for having me back. This is so cool. Uh, My cousin, (laughs) my cousin said to me when I, after the last recording, he's like, I mentioned it in passing and he said, wait a minute, you're on Bob Dylan? And I said, yeah. And he was like, I I listened to that. He was like, um... (laughs) I know that like you've sung at Carnegie Hall and stuff, but like this is the coolest thing you've ever done. <laughs> oh, oh, come on. <laughs> I'm no, that's, serious. That's patently ridiculous. That's, I appreciate no. the sentiment, but that's ridiculous. Come on. He was so impressed, and as was everyone, I've sent it to you, so thank you. So this is this is so cool. So, yes, as I mentioned, I have sung at Carnegie Hall in the wow. past year. Like you and Bob Dylan have both done that. It's right. Yeah, I was. Yes, I definitely pondered him and all the millions of amazing artists who have graced that stage while I was there. It was pretty wild. Um, I made my debut with New York City Opera. I sang um, at Bryant Park. It was outdoors. It was like a torrential rainstorm. And then the clouds parted and we opened up this series of the whole summer at Bryant Park, you know, the news, the stage, summer stages. Uh, so that was really cool. Um, I'm working, actually just sang a show called The Gondoliers by Gilbert and Sullivan. And I'm now preparing The Witch and Hansel and Gretel. Um, I've sung Hansel a number of times. So <laughs> it's fun to be on the other side of the oven now. So <laughs> things have been busy. And also congratulations to you for your exciting past Nuptials, yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was uh, nice to finally have that in in the rearview mirror, as it were. It was just uh, (laughs) a lot of (laughs) everyone was right. It goes by in a blur. (laughs) Two years of planning and like four hours were like, oh, it's up. Like, wow, all right, okay. Um, So, okay, I I do have to ask you about singing it, singing at Carnegie Hall, though. I mean, that sure. So, what? How nerve wracking was it, or was it? Are you have you sung in public so much that it just was? You know, the hall is special, but it's kind of just another place to sing. Yeah, actually not. <laughs> it was like kind of, it was outrageous because I was standing on that stage. I was very, very nervous. Um, I've actually sung a solo there before. Um, it was about uh, seven years ago. So this was, um, I was the soloist with a, like a choir. It was a beautiful, very, actually very brief piece. And the the crazy thing about my solo is that it was completely acapella. So there's like this huge orchestra. It's like, I don't know, 56. I'm actually not sure how many piece orchestra, huge orchestra, huge choir. I'm the only person making music in Carnegie Hall. (laughs) It was wild. I, I, I was very nervous because it was just like, I'm like, 
as I said, you know, the thinking of the incredible artists who have graced this stage, who have, you know, checked their teeth in the backstage mirror, you know, just, hmm. it was just wild. And the, the people who have sat in the, in the seats, you know, it was, it was surreal, but it was incredible. It, it, it was, it was an absolute thrill. And it strangely enough was actually the night after <laughs> Bryant Park. So I was just sort of gliding for, <laughs> oh, wow. you know, for some time there. I was, it was wild how it, how my calendar just all of a sudden became full and it worked out in that way. So it was, it was really exciting. Um, so was that was May. And then I got COVID in June, of course. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so I lucked out in that way, but um, so it's, it's been pretty cool. Um, so one of the most recent concert I did, actually, that's not true. The Gondoliers was the most recent performance I gave, but um, prior to that, I prepared an Offenbach concert which sort of led me to this occasion right now because um, mm -hmm. I was preparing a number of pieces, including the Barcarolle from the Tales of Hoffman. And I said, what does this sound like? So <laughs> we'll, we'll get into it a little more. But yeah, so that that's my professional uh, singing gigs have, have have come full circle and led me back to you rob so <laughs> <laughs> well right you mentioned that uh yeah. about that this is your your theory and i did some you know research on the song as i normally do and i did see other people have come to this similar conclusion so i'm like okay this is obviously a thing now mm -hmm. i know nothing about opera at all i grew up i did grow up with it my dad listened to it a lot so i've probably heard right. more opera than maybe the average person just because right. of that i my dad used to have a we might have even talked about this on your previous episode. I my think dad, so. my dad had opera on eight track tapes, right? Which we yeah, listen to in the car, Amazing. La Traviata Amazing. and stuff like that. And so I know some of this stuff. And ironically enough, you know, outside of the the big ones, you know, quote unquote, that mm -hmm. you know, the someone who doesn't follow opera would know. I actually, I can't say I'm familiar with Tales of Hoffman, but I am more familiar with it than others, simply because there was a movie version of it. In the 1940s, by Michael Powell and Emmerich Pressburger, the the filmmaking mm -hmm. duo. Who, uh, by the way, anybody, if you have never seen a Powell and Pressburger movie, go see any of them because they are all classics. I mean, and I am not exaggerating; those they were like the Coen Brothers of their day in that they made no two films of theirs are alike. They made huh. comedies, they made war films, they made horror films. They are just crazy wow. involved. Really, I mean, they are just the kind of thing where I'd heard about them and then I finally started checking them out. I'm like, like I can't believe these guys were, wow, these are just mind-bending movies. And yeah. they did a theatrical, like it was li shot live on stage, not oh, in front wow. of an audience, but it was live performed, a Tales of Hoffman huh. movie. And I actually watched it because it was Pal and Pressburger. I'm like, right. okay, if they, you know, and they're interested in that kind of, they did a, one of the, I've never, I still have not seen the red shoes, which a lot of people say is like their masterpiece, but hmm. I have not seen that one. But so I am a little more familiar with tales of Hoffman than I would be some other opera, but so, okay. What is the connection in your mind for to that Offenbach and that opera to this song on Bob Dylan's most recent? Yeah. Well, so I was looking into, you know, looking, you know, on a, not a very granular scale, but looking into Offenbach's life. And so he was Jewish. He was the son of a cantor. He was, his father was the cantor at the Cologne synagogue. 
which at that point was Prussia. He was born in 1819. He went to Paris in part because they were a little more accepting of Jews there um, Mm -hmm. to study cello and composition at the age of 14. Okay. And he became, he was knighted in France in 1861. He divided his time between Paris and Normandy and Vienna. He was an insanely prolific composer. He had a very long life, a very long career. He wrote politically, satirically based pieces. When he died in 1880, he had composed over 600 compositions. (laughs) Over 130 stage works. Okay, operettas. I mean, he loved the stage. And he actually never Dylan esque output. Uh huh. I was just going to say, remind you of anybody. (laughs) I mean, you know, just remarkable. And he wrote some very famous pieces. I'm actually going to, going to share a little, I'm going to share one of them with you. Okay. There will be no question. Anyone listening, even if they're not an opera person, will have heard this piece. Okay. It takes about mm, 30 seconds to warm up if you don't mind. But then once it's about 30 seconds in, you'll have no question. Let's see if this works. Okay. Offenbach. I absolutely do know that. <laughs> yeah. So that is the Can Can. And it's from Orpheus in the Underworld, another of his operas. It's more, it's more in an operetta. Yeah, just so he's just I- incredibly prolific and creative. Here's another maybe less familiar, but charming aria for soprano, which you may know. This is the doll aria. This woman is literally a doll. you know singable you know just charming melodies a lot lots of beautiful melodies he also was truly a a grand opera composer this is actually a trio that i learned for this previous uh concert i just did a few weeks ago and it 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 like knocked my socks off it was incredible this is also from the the tales of hoffman so already it's very different in, in its you know drama. Mm-hmm. 
I'm going to go forward a little bit. I mean, just just like breathtakingly beautiful melodies that this man created, and it's it's. I mean, we could spend an hour talking about Offenbach, and we wouldn't even you know hit hit below the surface because again, over six hundred compositions in his lifetime, just remarkable. And so, of course, he wrote the Barcarolle, which um, literally is from the, you know, the Venetian Barcarola or the, the boatman, the, the Venetians, which is actually, it's wild just how, how life works. I literally just sang in the gondoliers and I played, you know, the mezzo girlfriend of <laughs> the baritone gondolier. And so um, the two gondoliers come out and sing this, you know, amazing, beautiful melody. And so the the sense of the barcarolle is that it's a gently rocking song in six eight time or twelve eight time, and you really hear those. The the even if you don't know what exactly what that means, you hear the the meter of it. It's sort of like da 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 da, and you really hear beneath it the the rocking of of the of the boats. Um, so I'm going to play a little bit of the very sweet gondoliers song. You're, you can imagine the boats immediately, right? We're called gondolieri, but that's a baguette. It's quite on a ready, that's great that we fly. For gallantry noted since we were so potent to beauty, devoted just in fear and Right. So this this again, I, I mean, I'm like dancing in my chair and <laughs> the <laughs> rocking, you know, you hear it. Um, lots of different, you know, styles of these barcarolle boat kind of songs. Here's a beautiful song called Les Berceaux, which actually means the cradles, but it's it's by uh, Gabriel Faure. It is an art song and it's clearly talking about someone looking at some boats. Here we go. It's just beautiful. another example this is by uh rossini who actually wrote the barber of seville as i mentioned earlier this is a an a song cycle called la regatta veneziana and it's actually performed in a venetian dialect i actually sang this on my i think my 
senior recital at college, but it's a very cool song cycle. just classical composers uh, that write barca roles. I, I actually found on Spotify a Tom Waits song called Barca Roll, which mm. and I, I didn't I didn't really care for the performance, so I didn't include it tonight. But I do believe that this next song, which is one of my very favorite songs, is also a barca roll. You can instantly picture this person riding up and down, probably on a motorboat this time. But here we go. Oh, <laughs> I know this song. Right? Well, I'm on the down Easter Alexa, and I'm cruising through Black Island Sound. I have charted a course to the vineyard, but tonight. so good uh but yeah again another you know boating song barcarol so this leads me to of course the offenbach barcarol which actually he composed in an earlier piece but then put it in the tales of hoffman um this is a duet for soprano and mezzo soprano actually so i actually sang this on this concert i just sang it it's so stunning um and this is as I believe, uh, what Bob based his song on. So this is, again, the Barcarol from The Tales of Hoffman. This also takes some moments to get into the meat of the piece, but here we go. This is like, is it going to be the ride of the Valkyries yet at this (laughs) point, you know?
I hear it. Stunning, I totally hear it. Right? Stunning. But here's what I want you to know. Not only is it the same feeling, the same theme, it's even in the same key. I'm just going to play a bit of it. Now that is, some keen, that is some keen detective work. <laughs> so it's it's just amazing. I mean, it's so it's it's D major. It's a really sunny key. It's just you know you, you it's just beautiful. So so the text also of the Offenbach is Belle nuit or nuit d'amour. You know, beautiful night, night of love. You know. Sourise à nos ivresses, smile on us, right? Nuit plus douce que le jour, night sweeter than the day. Oh, belle nuit d'amour, oh, beautiful night. So not unlike, you know, a love song that Bob might be writing, right? And mm -hmm. it's just, it's just so beautiful. So, and so, and I remember when I first listened to this album in 2020, I I wept when I heard it. You know, it was just so amazing. And then I heard this song. I was like, this is just beautiful, you know? And of course I went, what does this sound like? <laughs> so it's like full circle each time I listen to one or the other. I'm like, oh yeah. So <laughs> last night, I I think I mentioned, <laughs> I think I mentioned on the last the last time I was on that um in 2014, I hung around the beacon at the stage door and, you know, just, just for a glimpse of Bob Dylan, like I, I wasn't going to bother him. You know, I was like, if, if he, if he happened to look at me, I would have said, Hey man, thanks. You know, beautiful show. Thank you for your time. Thank you for all you've given us, you know, whatever. I, I wasn't going to bother him or, you know, if he seemed willing to take a selfie, would I do it? Yes, of course. But you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bother him. I did not see Bob Dylan. But I did see this other man comes out. Again, I think I mentioned this on the last time, but this man comes out smiling, wearing a hat. I'm like, oh, he's in the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just, he's smiling. And so I said, oh, hey, man, great show. And he stops. He comes over and says, hey, what'd you think? I said, oh, yeah, it was great. You know, oh, by the way, I'm an opera singer. And, you know, I, 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 I you know, I love all kinds of music. This was so cool. He's like, oh, yeah, no way. You know, I, I, uh, I, I went to La Scala before. It was it was awesome. I love opera. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And you know, like it was just like a really, you know, I, I didn't bother him for a selfie or an autograph or anything. I was just chatting with the musician, right? And I noticed that th this woman nearby was sort of like gawking. She was like, oh my god. And and he walks away, and I'm like, okay, cool. You know, let's go home. Whatever. And she said, do you do you know who that was? I was like, yeah, it was a guy in the band. And she said, it's. That was Tony Garnier. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, the guy in the band. She's like, okay. Like, you know, like she was all like, oh, you idiots. <laughs> and I was, the guy from the band. <laughs> and I was like, well, okay, cool. So I've always been like, oh, yeah, my friend Tony Garnier. <laughs> okay. So last night, I, I follow him on Instagram. Okay. He's not verified or anything. Like part of me is like, it's maybe not even really him. You know, like I get messages from like fake Jeff Bridges all the time. Like, Oh, Hey, thanks for liking my picture. I'm like, you're not really Jeff Bridges. So I, uh, I slid into his DMS 
And I said, <laughs> hi, Tony. I'm sure you don't remember, but we chatted outside the Beacon in 2014. I mentioned I'm an opera singer. You said that you went to La Scala. Uh, I'm going to be interviewed tomorrow evening on Pod Dylan, talking about I've made up my mind to give myself to you and its relationship to Offenbach Barcarol. Just out of curiosity, do you recall what you saw at La Scala? And of course, did Bob join you just looking for an operatic tidbit? You know, and of course I had to say, and if you'd like to collaborate with a, <laughs> a classical kind of crossover mezzo-soprano, let me know. <laughs> Here's my website, you know. <laughs> All the best, Amy Mothelper. So that was at like eight o'clock or something. And I was like, God, I'm such a dummy. I've known I've been recording with Rob for like the longest time. I should have messaged him so much longer ago. I'm like, this dude's going to be like, who is this lady? You know, leave me alone. So about three hours later, I notice on my Instagram, I'm like getting into bed, like, oh, whatever. It's fine. It's cool. I noticed that it was seen. <laughs> oh, my. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So I'm like, well, OK, at, at, at very least, maybe like his assistant or whomever is going <laughs> to say like, oh, hey, you got a cool message. Like, you know, I was like, that's all I was expecting. You know, then I notice in my little chat window it says typing. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. So. <laughs> Lo and behold, I got a message from Tony Garnier. Get the F out of here. <laughs> oh my God. And he says, oh, hey, you know, that's so funny that you mentioned that I mentioned La Scala. That's so funny. You know, I love opera. I'm, you know, I've always said that, like, I could make an opera fan out of anyone in 15 minutes. You know, I played this and that in New York. Blah, blah, blah. Um, he said, you know, how are things going for you? By the way, the first opera I ever saw was at Sydney Opera House, and it was Rigoletto, and it was with Bob. <laughs> so, oh so I like, I was like shaking. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I'm literally, I, I, I am now a degree away. I'm, a, I'm, I'm a degree away from, this is outrageous. Like it was so kind and generous of him to respond i just i i i I couldn't get and i immediately wrote back i was like thank you so much for responding this is so nice of you thank you so very much you know i love rigoletto you know and i was like you know what's it like being on the road i was supposed to be on the road last year but we got canceled and whatever you know like and i'm like and i said again i'm like if you ever want to collaborate man you know like (laughs) just have to you know why not so but it was just amazing and and it really it, it 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 sounds kind of weird to say that a, a message on Instagram was like life changing, but it, in in a way, it kind of was because it made me really appreciate this life. You know, like this, just it's so remarkable. It's 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 such a privilege to get up on stage and and have everyone in the room focused on music. You know, it's it's. And I, you know, either sitting in the audience, sitting backstage, sitting on the stage, it's just, it's truly spiritual. You know, it's, it's, it, it transports you. And, and I just, I feel like just blessed and privileged beyond measure that, I, that, that this is the life I'm leading it. And, and that, you know, that I, I feel so lucky that I'm able to connect to someone I, you know, I revere, <laughs> Like, it, you know, it's, it's, it's just so cool. And, and 
So this brings me to why do I think Bob Dylan wrote this song? Okay, so like, hold on one second, Amy. Okay, Wait, yeah, hold sure. on. That was a lot of information. I know, I know, I know. Let me are take you, a sip of my non-alcoholic beer. Hold on. Are you telling me that Tony Garnier knows about my show? That's what you're telling me. I mean, that was part of why I said it too. I was like, hey, man, there it is in existence. Uh, I mean, I mentioned <gasps> I said Bob Dylan in my message, so yeah. Gonna need, gonna need a minute here. Uh huh. Okay. okay. Uh huh. All right. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> my goodness it's not just my cousin adam it's tony garnier i so. <laughs> uh yeah okay well mm-hmm. i'm gonna put that aside <laughs> and deal with the emotions of that at another uh-huh. time because we have to continue on with the show so let me just put that in a little lockbox in the back of my know, head that wasn't very I'll, nice of me i'm sorry because i've had a whole that. Yeah, I've had a whole 24 hours to wrap my brain around it, too, so uh, I'm sorry. Not, <laughs> not sleeping tonight. Thank you very much for that, Amy. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. So, <laughs> so like you said, when you first heard the song, okay, maybe not when you first, how, how many listens do you, do you remember did it take you of this song before you went, wait a minute, that's it, or was it immediate? Was it the melody so entrenched that it popped in your brain right at the, as soon as you heard it? I'll be honest, I, I don't think I immediately was like, oh, that's the Offenbach Bach role. But I, sure, I was sure, like, sure. I was like, what is this? I know this. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like, I was in my head. I'm like, what is this? What is this? What is this? And, you know, everyone is on Twitter and Facebook talking about the new album. And so I and someone put, you know, I think someone wrote, oh, you know, Offenbach. I was like, oh, of course it is. That's what this is. So so as I said, you know, the first time I listened to this album, the whole album, I just like wept because i remember i've been looking i like actually took notes i was such a geek when i first listened to it i was like let me write notes down my first (laughs) listen to each song you know it was like the height of the beginning of covid and so you know i was like i'm just in my house what shall i do today so um yeah so i remember just thinking i was so struck that there was there was really an element throughout the album tell me if you disagree but um that there's it's sort of a a there's something like final about it. It felt, I, I just got this vibe of this could be his last album. Right. Hmm. Um, there was, it's like sort of a farewell. It's I, you know, the begin at, at that time when it was, when did it drop June, right. Of 2020, yeah, June of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was like the height of what is the world? What's going to happen to the world? I mean, yeah. for myself, I was like, I may never be on stage again. You know, I don't know how this is going to, pan out you know every every article we read was like choral singing and singing in groups is like what's spreading covid terror you know so i was like i'm never gonna like how am i gonna ever sing again if like they're saying i'm a super spreader you know so like doing my job so i was like i may very well never be on stage again you know like there, like no way nobody could get a mask you know there wasn't testing there wasn't yep there yep. weren't vaccines i mean it was just like terrifying and i remember thinking wow, this was so generous of Bob to give this to his fans. You know, I really feel like I can just imagine him again. I'm imagining it, but like Mm -hmm. he's sitting on his, he's sitting on his terrace in Malibu or wherever. And he's looking out over the water and he's seeing a boat go by and he's listening to his vinyls from his whole lifetime. Cause he's like, what am I going to do now? Can't be on the road, you know? And he's 
whatever, how old is he? 79, I guess at that point, you know, and everyone said, you know, if you're old, stay home. And, you know, just, I can imagine thinking, oh, maybe this is, maybe I'm done, you know, let me just give one last gift to my fans. I really think that this song, I think other people have said this too, that like, it's a love song to not only some person, but to all of us, you know, it's, it's very, and I think the whole album is very American, you know, like it's, I mean, it's, it's for his American listeners is what I mean. Like it's, you know, talking about McKinley, it's talking about Kennedy. It's talking about, you know, mm. like really specifically American experiences. Key West and, Florida, right? Yeah. yeah. And like in this song, he's talking about, you know, from East LA to San Antonio, you know, Birmingham. I'm like, I'll just like, he's not talking about London and Paris. He's talking about American cities. And I just, I, I, again, I just imagine him flipping over his records going, oh, I love this opera, you know, <laughs> and, uh, oh, isn't that pretty? And looking at the boats out, out, you know, out in California and just sort of humming a little song, you know, and it's so unusual that there's, you know, backing vocals and. Yes. Um, yeah. 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 Right. The Stretching ma- all yeah, the, right. Yeah. I'm you're yeah, talking yeah. like the nineties when he, the yeah, last yeah. time he was doing anything yeah. like that. And it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. I, I love those guys. The, mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy yeah, that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, okay. This is, that, that's, <laughs> that's really interesting that you perceive that as this whole record as a sort of goodbye. I mean, obviously anytime, Every, every record he's put out feels like, is this it? Cause you're always just, is this it? You know, you yeah. know, you know, and then it never kind of is. And then you're like, okay, great. Right. And maybe he was in that right. frame of mind when he wrote it. I mean, again, that was, you know, I don't, he, I'm sure when he was writing these songs and we were in the depths of the pandemic, if you had said to him, Oh, but in two years, you're going to be going on a four year tour. Right. Right. You know, he'd be like, get that, you know, no, I'm not. What are you, what are you talking right. about? You yeah. know, and now here he is. He's doing all these things. But right. that's interesting. That's interesting that it's to you. You hear the sort of air of a kind of sweet finality to it. I mean, and also everything we listen to. And that's what's so amazing about music. I mean, everything we hear is colored by our own experiences, you know. Right. So that's very much where I was, you know, listening to it. I was like, wow, I remember thinking, how did he even record it? How was he allowed to be mm-hmm. in a studio? You know, like, yeah, who, yeah, who, yeah. Who, who permitted that, you know, um, because I was trying to stay home and not see anybody. And it just, yeah, again, very much my projection of what I was experiencing. But and and, and of course, you know, as we've crawled out of it a little bit and, you know, Bob's on the road. I've performed in public since, you know. I I don't think I'm quite so melancholy when I hear this song anymore. But but I always remember that first hearing of it, and that was definitely the feeling I had. And wow, that's interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, one of the thing, I you know, it's funny. The for the longest time, I did just take this as a sort of straight love song. But then, as you mentioned, when I the, the verse about I'm giving myself to you. I am from Salt Lake City to Birmingham, from East LA to San Antonio. I don't think I could bear to live my life alone. That mm-hmm. always popped to me. It's like, yeah, that is the 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 life of the touring musician. Yeah. I mean, this is a yeah. guy who is choosing to be on the road and being away from his family, such as it is, whoever mm-hmm. that whoever that comprises uh, <laughs> right. at this point. Right. Um, but I mean, he's with his other families, with the guys, right. you know, right. and he's and he's crisscrossing the country crisscrossing the world and so yeah this is a kind of 
you really can't take it as he's giving it to a person, but he's maybe giving it to his audience. Right. Um, now, do you feel as though the the tune that he's borrowing from Offenbach, do you feel like it's has any added resonance with the lyrics or do you feel it is just, I don't mean just, but just that it's Bob knows a, a, a nice tune when he hears it and knows that it's, it suits his purposes yeah. or these lyrics. Yeah. Well, I was actually just going to sort of mention this, that I think that it's so interesting is that it's very sweet and, you know, love songy when it's, when it's quoting the Offenbach, mm-hmm. but when it, it sort of grinds into the relative minor, it's like, bah, 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 you know, it, and, and it, then that's when he's, I'm giving myself to you. I am, you know, and it's like, it's sort of takes on a different color. And, and I feel like that's when it gets more personal and, and less of, the love song to the muse or the, the the one person it's that's when it becomes deeply personal and then you have that like sick solo like <laughs> you know like it's like that's not the quote you know it's um of the Offenbach I mean so yeah hmm. it's I think it's such an interesting song yeah well one of the things I heard from it when I got to this was I felt like of all the songs on and again I you know I have no musical uh ability or proclivity and you know but i feel like when i heard this song i felt like this was the most direct line from the sinatra records the three covers records Mm. to this i Mm -hmm. i mean Mm -hmm. obviously he had been testing out his vocal range uh both uh, you know the range of what he was able to and like his dexterity Mm -hmm. Uh, i feel like when i saw him in concert and he was dropping in selections from those records that and he was you know he wasn't playing piano he was just at the microphone standing there like an old crooner (laughs) that he was he was testing that version of himself out and i feel like that's the result of that is this song more than any other is Mm, this song mm -hmm. you know i mean yeah yeah uh, it's funny that you say it 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 sounded very eternal to me i felt that way about key west when i heard that i'm like how has this song not existed before now this feels like an eternal song uh, I like but, that. Yeah. You know, it really had that same feeling. And so this, this to me is one of those where I'm like, you know, I obviously am not able to, to peg it to anything like you were, but I was like, this just sounds eternal. This just mm-hmm. sounds like it's existed in the culture. And yet Bob seems to be creating it in 2020 or 2019 or whatever it is. But I yeah. feel like that he took whatever he felt he needed to learn from shadows in the night and fallen angels and triplicate and then applied it for his own purposes, for his own songwriting. And, uh, yeah. you know, now, you know, we have those records we have not even discussed on the show yet. We got to get to them at, at some point. But I, I feel like it's like, oh, yeah, that's what he's that's what kind of like what he did for Good As I've Been to You and World Gone Wrong. And he took what he learned from going back to the base metals of his art and channeling it into time out of mind. That's what he's doing here. He's like, OK, I'm going into this crooner mode. And again, you can sort of picture a Tony Bennett kind of guy singing mm-hmm. this sort of song. Yeah. Again, in, in the, the more quoting sections of it, but, but again, when it goes into that relative minor, it sort of takes on that darker feel it. He starts sort of coloring his voice very differently too. Mm-hmm. He's sort of like, like you hear that like vocal fry, like what it was, you know, like <laughs> I, I can't do it, but you know, like uh, um, it's just, it's a completely different color. So I, I like I like that that it's that he is hearkening back to you know a different style and but I do think that he's trying to bridge them them both you know mm-hmm, right. he's he's got the 
the Tony Bennett and he's also got the, you know, I'm still this guy who's been on the road for all this time. And, and, you know, my life is, you know, in service to the music and in service to the audience. And what do you feel? How do you feel about somebody borrowing a tune like that? And just in your personal feelings about it, is it just, Hey, you know, it's all fair game. It's good. It's, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's something out there in the culture and, Bob obviously appreciates it and he feels like it's useful to his purposes here. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly in the public domain. I mean, like there are, I mean, there are rules about um, performing music of living composers, or I think actually composers who have lived within the last 50 years, that you have to pay royalties to their estates. Mm-hmm. Um, like you have to do that for Sondheim and for, I th- I'm not certain about Bernstein, but, and, I don't recall if like Benjamin Britten, anyway, I, I don't quote me on this, but um, I don't know the rules are, but I do know that there are some composers for whom you have to pay royalties and some composers for whom it's existed for so long that it's in the public domain. So like, you know, anyone can charge money, you know, I can charge money for someone to come to my production of Offenbach, whatever, Orpheus in the Underworld, and I don't have to, you know, pay the Offenbach estate. So I sort of feel like th- that is fair game, you know, like it's, it's in the public domain. It's for public consumption, and and it's a completely different style. You know, I th- sure. I, th- I, th- I think that if he was like, I don't think I would be offended if he was. There was some line of, of I can't recall now. There's a, a line on a song on this album that uh, is is something maybe in something in Crossing the Rubicon that's like a Leonard Cohen line. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's- I was. I'm, could just be coincidental, but I was like, I wonder if he like listened to Leonard Cohen and got that line, you know? Oh, that's going to bug me. I don't remember what it was. But his um, mind is a sponge for these things, as oh, we know. Oh, yeah. You know. Right. I mean, just outrageous. I mean, now I'm picturing him pulling out the like a Tales of Hoffman record and playing it for the guys. Yep. You know, and that's funny. You mentioned, you know, you know, Tony Garnier enjoyed the opera. Like, I wonder. I'd love to find interviews with these guys, you know, just like what is their, I mean, there are interviews with these guys, obviously, but like, I would love to know how conversant are they with all this stuff? I mean, obviously they're, they're, they're pros. They are beyond pros, but I would love to know, like, how much does Bob have to clue them into what he's thinking? Is he able just to say, Hey, uh, Offenbach from this and this and this, and like the guy's got it, you know, (laughs) or does he have to get more expensive with it? I mean, based on my message from Tony Garnier, um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he said something about like, you know, he played in the pit of, you know, a Mozart opera, you know, so he, you know, he, I think he's, you know, and something on his Instagram said like he was playing like in an orchestra, you know, I mean, so yeah, I, I would guess that they all... I've heard lots of different kinds of styles. I mean, he bows, you know, he, he doesn't just, you know, he's not just like a jazz or rock guy. So right, right. yeah, I, I would guess that it, at the very least, you know, they would say, Oh yeah, yeah. I know this. Like they can dig the style kind of thing, you know? Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. No, it's funny. Oh, in this so, song. Oh, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh no. I was just gonna, I, I, I just glanced at my, at my notes and I, I, the other real strong argument for my, my theory of, um, being sort of final and a love song to us all is the line that I think is really the line that sort of got me in the gut was a lot of people gone, a lot of people I knew, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, so I just, it's like, not that he's the last man standing, but you know, that's what, I can't remember any song titles at this moment, 
Goodbye, Jimmy Reed. No, what is he? This is the song that he's talking about all the other, like he's like name checking people. He's talking about all these people that, uh, you know, he couldn't play guitar. But... Yeah, goodbye, Jimmy Reed. He's talking about they, right? You know, like, because I couldn't play guitar. Right, right. Well, he does something with, head, yeah, you know? I wouldn't play guitar behind my head. Yeah, he took yeah. that's goodbye, Jimmy Reed, most definitely. Yeah, but I, but I feel like that's like, he's talking about like other, his contemporaries who are gone, you know, and how he's, he's still here and, He's still... he's definitely getting to be one of the last men standing. He absolutely yeah. is, and in in his yeah. realm, my goodness, yeah. That mm-hmm. that line is really that does jump out at you. A lot of people gone. A lot of people I knew, uh, and yeah. you know, and and you think about all the hundreds, thousands of people he's played with at this point. Yeah, some of them very briefly, some of them a long time. You know, you got Tony yeah. Garnier or like a Rob Stoner or somebody that he had an extensive time with. And then there's other people that he probably played like five shows with and never saw again. And right. he, you know, they sort of come in and out of his life and he just soldiers on, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's on to the next thing. Uh, I, I, one of the things I, I specifically wanted to mention about this song is that, you know, for a guy who we know can create incredible uh, dexterous wordplay in his songs when he strips it all down, you know, on paper, it can seem very trite or very kind of cliching. I mean, he's talking about my heart's like a river, a river that sings. He, he talks about a snow white dove. I mm-hmm. mean, that is stuff out of greeting cards. And yet <laughs> right. when he puts it in the context of the song and he adds that grit of his voice, yeah, it sounds incredibly powerful. You know, he's able to put mm-hmm. just a couple of words together so simply that you you're like, wow, I can't believe this person has said that. I mean, from the plains and the prairies and the mountains of the sea, I hope that God, the gods go easy on me. I knew mm-hmm. you'd say yes. I'm saying it too. I've made up my mind to give myself to you. I mean, that is, that, that's an incredible turn of phrase. And again, he's an exquisite singer. He has mm-hmm. complete mastery over his instrument. He, like you say, he can make you know, ma- I mean, that's that's what we strive to do as singers is to make magic out of just the text on the paper. As you say, it's like it sounds like a Hallmark card, but it's it's art when he puts the color of his voice into it. And it's remarkable. And, you know, if if he fancies himself the next Offenbach, I support that, you know, he, <laughs> the, the, I mean, just incredibly prolific, you know, politically, you know, satirical. I mean, smart and beautiful and funny and sad i mean all of these emotions i mean he's it's you know an operatic output it's 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 remarkable forgive my ignorance about how all this works but when you talk about offenbach and he and he wrote how many you said it's 600 right over 600 yeah over 600 so but in that time that he lived in the this the place that he lived in the time that he lived was there a natural outlet for all of that material the way bob dylan has i mean bob dylan knows that if he writes a song it if he wants to it can be recorded and released and presumably turned into a something he can profit off of if he go if he thinks about it like that but it's there's a natural commercial outlet for anything that he chooses to jot down whether it's a book about modern song or whatever he, you know, he he's right. into the, he's into the system. The Bob Dylan machine at this point is there and ready for more and more any material he wants to put out. It, you know, Sony's ready to grab it and put it out there. Was did Offenbach have that same kind of 
was that the world set up that way or was he creating a lot of that stuff simply for his, his own pleasure? Yeah. So he, um, I'm reading his bio. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to figure out like if he was like appointed, I mean, like, I think Bach was like, I mean, the reason that Bach wrote like gazillions of cantatas is that like, I think he was like, you know, the, the music master at like a church. And so they, mm. he put together a cantata for every single weekend kind of thing for, at right. church services. So I, I'm trying to understand I don't know if if Offenbach had a position like that. Right. Um, oh, he, he he found his own theater company. Oh, yes. there. Okay. Well, there you go. Okay. Because it's like if you're doing six hundred, you're writing six hundred. Yeah. So yeah. Know. So it says he was the artistic director and the house composer. Um. Yeah. So. So yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. we know there's a lot of people that create things and then never get seen. You know, right. they just. Whether you're a painter or a songwriter right. or a playwright, and stuff just gets filed yeah. away in a drawer because they have the need to do it. Yeah, you know. Uh, but but exactly. uh, you know when you when you're writing 600 pieces, right? Uh, you know, like yeah, that that's an extraordinary output for any lifetime, especially even then when people lived not as uh, not yeah, that long. He was you like know, sixty or something when he yeah. died. Yeah. Goodness. So yeah, Bob is really using. That's one of the things that that is sort of remarkable, and I I. I hate to even mention it, the idea that like when he finally does pass into history, like just the sheer amount of musical history that goes with him mm-hmm. is going to be a tragedy. Now, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, we've got the material, we've got the songs, and we have people like you to be able to be like, hey, that's Offenbach. You know, <laughs> I never would have known such a thing. But nevertheless, it's so much of popular music and beyond popular music, going back even further than that, just resides in his brain. Yeah, that yeah. it's you know, and there aren't that many people around anymore that are going to be right. like that. They're going to have that kind of all-encompassing view of music, not just rock music or pop music, but music, just pure, any kind of music. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's really amazing. It is amazing. It's, is is it's, this your? Go ahead. No, you know, you go ahead. I was just going to say it, it's. I mean, it's sort of sobering. It, it you know, it makes you know, but but also like, and and, and you know, it's. His the mystery around him and his life is sort of like simultaneously like frustrating and fascinating. <laughs> you know, it's like no, we want to know everything you know. You know, but you know, write it all down. So, but it's like he's just always been a step ahead of us. You know, it's just like look, I, I always wonder if like at the end of his life, he's like there's going to be some like book that's like oh and by the way he wrote a book throughout his lifetime and you know this is the story of his life and like the truth about everything but I, I, probably not so <laughs> I, we you don't know, know he just published a book for pete's sake that nobody even knew about i mean I he's been writing it for 10 years people were like he's been what you know like what are you talking about you know for god's sake so one of the things i noticed about uh the live performances by the way this has already for a song that's only uh, two years old it has already been performed 101 times. Oh my god! Okay. Uh, because of course he's doing it virtually every night. In fact, he just played it a couple of nights ago, as of this recording. And I went and uh, listened to a couple of them on YouTube, and it's funny because obviously he doesn't have the and he doesn't have any of the backup singers doing the hmm in the background with him, but he really oh. focuses the audience's attention. I mean, the, the the stage gets kind of quiet. I mean, the band is playing. But it's 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 kind of low, and it's really mm. the vocal taking center stage, uh, literally in the, in that case. And it's he's sort of focusing everybody's attention. I think it kind of like 
you know, he's doing upbeat songs and it's rocking and it's loud. And then he gets to this and it just kind of quiets mm. everything down. Oh, and interesting. It's, it's kind of the way it works on the record too. Yeah. You yeah. know, he kind of hummed, okay, he kind of brings it down a little. Mm-hmm. And it's this, this nice placement. Again, my own version of you is its own sort of dark, you know, love song sort of thing. Yeah. And he does this and it's just this quiet kind of nice, again, either pan to a person or an audience or whatever, but it's just this nice kind of soothing, beautiful thing. And yeah, there's some dark grit to it and stuff like that. You take me out traveling. You're a traveling man. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the thing about, you know, people have a lot of people gone, a lot of people I knew, but overall it, it has this wonderful feeling of warmth to it right at the point of the record that you think you really kind of need it. Yeah. That's so interesting. I also like on this record, I was just pondering that like the introductions are pretty brief. It's like he sort of launches right into everything. Mm. That's like, Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like even that's from the real... very first song, you know, like it's just like chord. It's like right. today and tomorrow, yesterday too, you know. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh, here we go. Okay. So it's sort of like he's there's a sort of, I think that sort of gives an urgency to all of all the songs, which I like. You know, it's it's but it's it's cohesive. You know, it's sort it's there in all of them. I think like he's like I I really want to share this. You know, mm-hmm. uh, interesting. I actually haven't. <laughs> I did. I haven't gotten to see him yet in this tour, and I'm just so sad. It, he was at the Beacon last year while I was in a show, and I was like, I just, "Oh no!" Like, okay. It was so sad. So I'm hoping that, like, by the time this episode airs, we'll be like, "Oh, ha, 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 ha. of <laughs> course he's coming back to the Beacon." <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. <laughs> the, the, the tour, the tour is listed as going all the way to 2024. So assuredly. He will swing well, back around. I'm hoping it's like this month because he right. always comes in November. But you know. that's right. He typically that's always when yeah. I see him is November and yeah. December. So yeah. yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh geez. I'm gonna be down in Florida. I hope he swings by there. I can go see him when I'm done. Yeah. So uh, well, I in well, Key West. Okay. Yeah. That, you, oh <laughs> man, we're gonna be far. Florida is big. Yeah. And so we'll be far away from Key West, but I do kind of want to see if I can get myself over there. Yeah. There just to be able to. Say Morganvillea Bloomin. Yes, yeah. I would stand there in front of the sign or something like that. So, mm-hmm. well, uh, Amy, you um, you really blew my mind with this episode <laughs> because uh, you brought musical samples. I, I imagine <laughs> when you were in school, you must have done really well at like oral reports and stuff like that. You <laughs> brought a whole bunch of things for people oh, show yeah. and tell day or whatever. Um, but then the thought that you actually conversed even briefly with Tony Garnier is a little too much for my brain to fully comprehend at this moment. Uh, Sam, I, yeah. I'm like, why didn't he write me back yet? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what else you got to do. Come on. <laughs> you're God. not playing for another hour. What do you got to do? Right. Uh, but I think I might have asked you this as we're wrapping up. Yeah. I think I might have asked you this on the previous show, but if I, I don't remember whether I did or not. In your line of work, obviously the quality of people's voice I mean, again, and that can be defined in a lot of different ways, as you say. I think Bob Dylan's an an amazing singer. Anyone listening to this thinks that. But in your circle where I can imagine that maybe a lot of people either aren't even Dylan fans at all, or even if they're not, they don't share your opinion that he has a marvelous instrument. Is that a conversation you've had with people before? Oh, 100%. 100%. So, like, I remember being, I was probably like in grad school when I first was getting into him and I was, you know, sharing about it with someone and they were like, why? Like, <laughs> but he's a terrible singer. I'm like, you're a hundred percent wrong. Listen to this, listen to this, listen to this, you know, like, it's just amazing. And 
Yeah. I mean, we spend our lifetimes and thousands upon thousands of dollars in our lessons and our coachings and, you know, our perfecting our, our craft and, you know, exact balance of, you know, how our vocal folds occlude and, and, you know, this, the, the space within our mouth. And I mean, but like, I actually believe that Bob Dylan has really good vocal technique. I, I uh, he, just the way he like, this is very nerdy, but like the way he like rounds his mouth into there's this video of him singing. Um, I think it's um man of sometimes Satan comes up. What are the words? Man of peace. Yeah, man of peace. I'm like man of thief. Those aren't the words. Okay, yes, but like the way he's like forming his the sounds like into the microphone is like actually like really intelligently vocally done. There's some video that I it was on the interwebs. Um, with I think he's with the dead, and it's just like it's it's a masterclass he's i think he's brilliant and the the fact that he is 81 years old mm. and is still making sounds that are so beautiful and he has such control over his voice is astonishing i mean opera singers some opera singers can sing that long so, some cannot i mean it's just you know i mean part of it is like probably luck you know that mm -hmm. his voice hasn't deteriorated because some people's bodies just you know like it's it's a muscle you know and yeah, it's it's, sure. it's and some people's voices just naturally deteriorate, you know, whether or not they have like good or bad technique, but like that he, you know, he's doing something right that he's able to create these sounds. Um, it's, I, I think he's, I think he's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God he stopped smoking too. Thank goodness. Right, yeah. Right, he's torturing his right. throat like that. So, well, uh, Amy, I mean, again, you just blew my mind with this episode <laughs> with your preparation. I really appreciate the, the trip through this corner of music that I just have not don't have any familiarity with and being able to hear all those things, being able to hear some things that I am familiar with uh, that, you know, I never realized, Oh, that's who this is. That's this yeah. is Offenbach. This is the can yeah. can. We know the can. I mean, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So that is just amazing. Yeah. That is just completely amazing stuff. And so I am, I'm just so glad we got to do this again. Oh, so glad we got to, so got to talk much. again. No, this was awesome. This was yeah. Super cool. I mean, so. we got to do a real song as opposed to all the tired horses. <laughs> it's, it's That's a real song. It's yeah. a real song. It's just, <laughs> just joking around. So, okay. So, uh, as we're wrapping up here, I have to ask you the question. I didn't get to ask you the other things, but I didn't, I didn't have it back then. So the question I'm asking everyone now, of course, is if there's any recording session for anything Bob has ever done that you would love to have sat in on, what would that be? Oh my gosh. I mean, I mean, this album, I think, like, just given the, the tumult of the world at that time, you know, like, I just sort of wonder what the vibe was in the studio, when it was, when it really happened, you know, how, how they got away with it, if it was early <laughs> 2020, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by all aspects of this album, because just the way it dropped and just surprise gift to everyone. Yeah, I think that'd be just wild to know more about it. Okay, fair enough. Well, <laughs> and we can only hope that if someday Bob decides he needs a mezzo soprano for one of his records, <laughs> that my BFF Tony will tell. Tony will like, I know somebody, Bob. I know <laughs> oh my somebody. God, can you imagine? There you go. So, uh, well, I why should don't just you... send him the recording of the all the tired horses. Be like, I can sing this <laughs> if you want to do this again. Look, check it out, Bob. I think he, I think he'd appreciate that in his own perverse way. He'd be like, oh, that's a all right, interesting. So, well, why don't you tell people where they can 
Did you just think of something? What? No, no, I was just okay. sighing with, oh my goodness. Yeah, the, the very thought of it, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you out on the internet? Oh, thank you so much. So my website is www.amymodhelfer.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter, probably forever. I don't know. Uh, as, <laughs> Until the as, place burns down. Yeah, pretty much. Until the as wheels Metz, fall off and burn. Right, as Metzomod. Um, I have a public Facebook account, Amy Modhel for Mezzo Soprano. Uh, yeah, if you need a Mezzo for anything at all, let me know. <laughs> right, you, you heard her, everybody. So uh, again, Amy, thank you. It's always such a delight to talk oh, to you. Thank and, you. Uh, thank you so, so much great for doing to talk this. to you. Awesome. So, thank you. Uh, yeah, of course. So of course, everybody, you want to find back episodes of the show, go to our website, findwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on any podcatcher of your choice. And if you want to support Pod Dylan, you can do that over on Patreon at patreon.com slash fwpodcast. Big thanks to Robert Ward, Steve Cronin, Max Hutzel, George Doherty, Joaquin Meckel, Paul Ruther, and Henry Bernstein for their support. I really appreciate it. So that's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you later. Bye.